Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, open our ears that we would hear your whispers. Open our hearts that we would know your love. Open our souls that we would feel your presence. But in opening our very lives up, O Lord, transform our very being so that we would leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. All things we ask in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen. 
So a couple of weeks ago, it started to circulate on social media. I know it was circulating because I, I saw it show up in different feeds of friends of mine from different parts of my life. It was a cartoon that looked like something that Gary Larson, who drew the far side, might have drawn. It was sort of, was a, there was a booth and it had a sign over it. And standing in line in this booth were three men in sort of biblical royal garb, if you will. They had big flowing robes and sort of had crowns akin uh, on their heads. And one of the guys was standing there in front and over the booth was a sign that said gold. And just to the side was another sign that said, people who bought this were also interested in frankincense and myrrh. I mean, I think, look at this. We've taken a biblical story, we've wrapped it up with social media and Amazon, and we've had some fun with it. But besides a good chuckle, it got me thinking how important epiphany is to the Christmas story. How important it is that we celebrate today, that we don't just let today go past the coming of the wise men. How important it is to the Christmas story. See, Christmas, the miracle of the birth of Christ, the Son of God, it starts with very humble beginnings, doesn't it? You have a carpenter and his teenage fiance. They have plans for just a normal life. They'll get married, they will do what young couples do, they will sort of eke out a basic existence. And then God intervenes. God intervenes and turns their world upside down and in part turns ours as well, right? So they have this humble beginning and all of a sudden they find out that she is with child, but it's against the social mores of the time that she is carrying the child of God and that she is going to be blessed. And she is. But the time comes for that child to be delivered and where are they? They're on the road to Bethlehem because of a census. They get there and there's no room in the inn and they end up giving birth to their firstborn, to the child of God. They give birth in a stable, surrounded by animals. The shepherds come in from the fields having been alerted by the angels. And it's in that moment that we realize that the king of the world, the son of God, the Messiah, is laid in a feed trough for a bed. But it's in that humble beginning that we begin to understand how much Christ came for all of us. Because no matter where we are in the social strata of life, you can't get any lower than the humble birth and beginning in a barn, can you? So Christ came for all of us. But then to punctuate that, to bookend it, if you will, we find out later in the stories, we read further in Matthew, that three kings come from a far away. They come from distant lands. They've heard about the birth of this child, this glorious son of God. And so they come to make a personal tribute, a personal journey to worship themselves. They leave their entourage at home and they come just themselves, not wrapped up in all their kingly nature so that all the world knows, but they came humbly and simply to bow and to worship. Kings from afar worshiping a child born to be king of kings. And so what do they do? They come and they bring the finest of gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They bring all of these great gifts, the greatest gifts that they could bring to show homage and to show respect 
and to show contrition. They come and they bring these great gifts to a child born in humble beginnings to be king of kings. See, Christmas is such a wonderful time for us, and the church calendar is always a little different because it tracks differently than the world. The world wanted us to start talking about Christmas, and we did in the marketplace and on TV and everywhere. They wanted us to start talking about Christmas as early as the day after Thanksgiving. But we know in the Christian church that that was the season of Advent, the season of preparing our hearts for the birth of Christ. We talked about faith in the terms of hope, peace, love, and joy. And so for four weeks, we talked about the coming of Christ with those ideas of hope and peace and love and joy. And then on Christmas Eve, we gathered here in the sanctuary and we celebrated his birth, remembering what the angels sang, glory to God on high, peace on earth, goodwill to men. It, it rings again and again and again. And in that moment, as we sang Silent Night and we blew our candles out singing Joy to the World, that was when Christmas began. That's when the season of Christmas in the Christian church began. And for the last 12 days, we've been living in the season of Christmas. And it culminates with today, with Epiphany, the remembering of the wise men coming and offering their gifts. And so our own Christmas journey is not complete even if we've chucked all the decorations to the street and boxed them back up and put them in the attic, our own Christmas journey is not complete until we too come and we visit Jesus and we offer to him our gifts. We offer our gifts to the King of Kings, the best that we have to offer. And it left me with this question this week. What are the best gifts that you and I can bring to the King of Kings? What can we bring as we complete our Christmas journey today? What can we offer today and for all this year, for all of 2019? And as I thought of this, I thought of what we have in the United Methodist Church. There's a, in our book of discipline, there's what's called the general rules of the church or what John Wesley laid out for us for ways that we could live a Christian life. And there are three rules. Interesting. Three rules, and the wise men brought three gifts. The rules are this, do no harm, do good, and attend to the ordinances of God, which is a fancy way of saying, stay close to God. Like gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these are the best gifts that we can offer to Christ this year. To do no harm, to do good, and to stay close to God. See, doing no harm is about avoiding evil. It's about avoiding anything that separates us from God, that, brings, that separates us not only from God, but from each other, that causes pain and suffering in our world. See, doing no harm is about avoiding fights and quarrels, Think about the discourse that happens in our world these days. No one seems to, there always seems to be a battle line already drawn, us versus them. But what if this year we did no harm, realizing where we had disagreements, that we agreed to disagree and we decided not to quarrel, not to fight, but to listen to each other. We may not be able to change someone's opinion, but to at least listen to them 
and give them that courtesy. Doing no harm is about practicing ethical business practices, not unethical ones. It's about avoiding gossip and slander. So when someone is talking about someone that we know, we can take ourselves out of the equation by simply saying, please don't talk about them. They're a friend of mine. Or saying, they're not a friend of yours. You know, I don't think we should be talking like this. That sounds a lot like gossip. Or what if doing no harm is us practicing the way we would want to be treated by others and we treated each other that way? Doing no harm by not causing pain and suffering. Doing things that don't damage the environment, marginalizing other people. If we avoided those things, marginalizing other people, harming our environment, then we are doing no harm. Imagine how our world would be transformed, how it would be changed if we were conscious and intentional about our actions, our words, and even our intentions. That's key. Not just our actions and our words, but even our intentions. If our intention was constantly focused on not causing pain, not causing harm, if our actions, if our words followed through with that, then what would happen if we changed the world that way? I think time and again of things that I learned as a child, when you're angry, count to five before you respond. How much that really plays out these days. What if before you responded to that email that just set your teeth on edge, before you hit reply to all, by the way, don't hit reply to all, that does no good. I've witnessed it. It causes bad things. But what if before we did that, if you really wanted to type that email out that you want to send, Take the two button, you know, erase who it's going to go to, type the email, type it as angry as you want to, and then walk away. Take a walk around the block, go get a cup of coffee, wait two days, a week, whatever it takes, reread that email. Are you sure that's what you want to send? Is it going to make things better, or is it just going to be like a match in a pool of gasoline? And if it's the latter... What if we hit delete and start it all over again? What if we ask ourselves before we did anything, before we responded, before we did, before we acted out in the world, what if we ask ourselves this question, will this cause harm to anyone? Or what harm will this cause? If we ask that question first, I think, oh, how God in heaven will smile upon us because we're conscious about not adding pain and suffering to a world that is already full of pain and suffering. But if we set our, if we set our agenda on doing no harm, then we also need to set it on doing good, on being kind and merciful, making that a way of living, though how you and I interact with the world around us where we look out to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick, to comfort those who mourn. What if we started to look around the margins of life and we looked for the least and the last and the lost and tried to bring them in and let them know that they mattered and that they counted and asked them to join us in the center and the mainstream part of life? What if we supported each other, even to the extent of doing business and transactions with our friends, because knowing if we support each other in business and in life, or we lift each other up, then we all succeed. 
What if we give generously of our time, our talent, our financial resources? Think of what God has blessed each of us in this room with in terms of those things, time, talent, and finances. And what if we set our hearts on doing good with those, on involving those in the world around us so that we could make a true difference? What if we practice random acts of kindness each and every day? Now, those of you that were here with us on Christmas Eve, you remember that I challenged us with this kindness project to take three pennies, to put them in your right pocket and throughout the day to do something kind for someone. And as you did that one kind act, a kind statement, a kind email, a note, something unexpected, you moved a penny from your right pocket to your left. With the goal being by the end of the day that all three pennies would have moved from the right side of your body to the left side. How many of you remember that? How many of you did it for a couple of days? How many of you are still doing it? I got emails from you on the 25th, the 26th, how wonderful it was, how much fun you were having with it. A couple of you even signed it off and said, thank you so much for this gift. Oh, and by the way, you're the third penny. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad to be the third penny any given day of the week. What a difference in the world that would make, right? What if we started each day and asked ourselves this question, how can I brighten my corner of the world today? How can I brighten my corner of the world today by sharing God's love and doing something good for someone else? Maybe it's continually practicing the three pennies. Maybe it's something else. But if you do that, if we ask ourselves that question, if we start each day asking ourselves that question, how can I brighten my corner of the world today? God's light, God's love will shine even in the darkest of places. And guess what? Our God in heaven smiles because we get it. Finally, to not only, not only do no harm and to do good, what if the third gift we gave this year to the King of Kings was the gift of staying close to God? See, Christ came to save us all. Christ came to show us a better way, but Christ came to draw us into a better and closer relationship with God, the God who created us, the God who loves us so patiently and so deeply. What if the gift this year was you and I deciding that we were going to stay close to God and we're going to stay close to God each and every day? That starts with worship, with this idea of worshiping more regularly. Think about what happens when we gather in this place and we raise our voices together, when we sing God's praises, when we have fellowship and enjoy each other's presence and see the good that happens in each other. And here's what happens in our week and how God is working in our lives. We give thanks for the blessings that happen. You see, when we do all of that during the confines of worship, then God is glorified and the world around us sees that we are different people and that there is something different about us and they want to be a part of it. But not just that, not just staying close to God through worship, but what about through our study of the scriptures? To take our Bibles off the shelf and to read them each and every day. A friend of mine named Susan, she put on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, that she had set a goal for 2018 that she was going to read the Bible in its entirety. She said, I've set this goal for many years and I've never completed it, but this year I'm happy to say I set the goal and I did it. 
Now, what she did is she went to one of those websites like, you know, readthebibleinayear.com or something like that. This sort of lists a plan of what scriptures to read so she can stay on target to do it. Highly disciplined. But here's what I loved about what she said. She said, I've done it and I'm going to do it again because I learned so much. I hear something different every time I open the Bible, even passages I've read my whole life. Friends, what if we did that? What if we read the Bible every day? Maybe you want to set an aggressive goal to read the whole Bible in a year, or maybe you just want to start with this one. Take your favorite book and just read a chapter a day. When you're done with that book, pick another book of the Bible. If you're not sure which one to pick, ask your friends, ask someone that sits next to you in church, give me a call, shoot me an email, I'll suggest something. But the key is to spend time in God's Word, learning what it is that God has for us, what God says to us, what God has done for us. And in that process, we'll find ourselves drawn closer in. In addition to that, if we pray daily, if we listened, not only prayed for ourselves, prayed for our church, prayed for our world, but prayed for God's direction for our lives, somewhere in there, we will begin to listen and hear more intently what God has for you and for me. And you see, and in that moment, in that moment when we are doing those things, we're drawn that close to God, we begin to have that closer relationship that Christ came to give us all along. And our God in heaven smiles because he's our God and we are God's blessed children, each and every one of us, and we've come home. So this year, this year, John Wesley's rules for life, three simple rules to do no harm, to do good, to stay close to God. Those are the best gifts, aren't they? Aren't they the best gifts that we could bring and that we could lay at the feet of the King of Kings? And so what if you and I set this year on that journey to do just that? Do no harm, do good, stay close to God. If we do, I suspect that we will find our hearts warmed, our world transformed, and God in heaven smiles at the gifts we've offered. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.